Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. And a fine Saturday matinee to you, uh, gentlemen. Uh, it's a it's a tough morning, Andy. I'm sorry. Buongiorno. <laughs> well, your your enthusiasm is there. I love that. That's an A for effort. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Uh, we ha- are we doing all right? This is a new thing. 
Yes, I'm doing great this morning. I, I this everything's working for me. All the buttons and as Tommy says, all the beeps, beeps and, and boops are booping and beeping. Beeps and boops are working for me. <laughs> yes, we're we're doing a little test this morning. We're recording this in Discord. Whoa! Uh, yeah, I know. It's very very strange. new things. <laughs> new things, and it's 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 causing a little bit of stress. <laughs> Is it white text on gray? Is it black text on white? There are bots. Uh, but everything seems to be working okay. And the reason we're doing this, one of the cool things about it is that you can join the live show and listen in while we record live. And that's what we want to do more. So we're testing it this morning. And um, we'll we'll tell people about it when, it when it happens next time. This morning it happened in secret. Ooh. Res- respond. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> I can't. It's secret. I'm not supposed to talk about it. It's the First rule of Satmat Discord. You don't, <laughs> you don't talk about Satmat Discord. Steve, I love that you were here to set the cultural norm. That's what we need here <laughs> is a set of values, and you are the bellwether for those values. That's right. We can we can talk about movies. We just can't talk about how we're recording talking about the movies. Uh, this is getting what, so the, meta. We have well, yeah, because. You know, Pete's in a little cave someplace, and you know Andy's off in the desert somewhere. And you know, I won't tell you where I am because that's the great thing about being online. We could be anywhere. I'm going to change your nickname to Ron Swanson. <laughs> uh, uh, so we uh, we have there was this was a big week uh, actually in terms of uh, movie news. Of course, we got the Oscar nominations, but even bigger news is that Oprah has three hands. <laughs> according to Vanity Fair. I have it on authority, photographic evidence that Oprah has three hands. So, and, I always and Reese knew there was something different about her. I love her. She has a third leg. And I never thought I'd be saying that about Reese Witherspoon, of all people. That's how, that's how well, she hiked that trail so fast in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's why her movies are so expensive, because they have to totally <laughs> yes. remove a third leg every <laughs> Frame. I mean, I, it'll make for an interesting, you know, campaign. If if Reese Witherspoon's going to be her VP, you've got Oprah with three hands and Reese with three legs. You know, that's an interesting. Is that ticket. an unfair? Is that an out. unfair advantage? I, it might. It, maybe be. they have to actually amputate be. in order to run. She'd be great in a waltzing movie. Well, you're right. One, two, three. <laughs> one, two, three. One, two, three. You can waltz with Jake the Peg. Yeah. There's a, there's a little Doctor Demento throwback. That's that's <laughs> that is culturally relevant right there. <laughs> um, so yeah, the uh, the news is uh, for Vanity Fair did their Hollywood uh, extravaganza Annie Leibovitz um, mega poster, and James Franco was in it, and then he wasn't. They photoshopped him right out. Uh, you know what the and- problem was. They ran out of time to to finish photoshopping Christopher Plummer in. That's right. (laughs) I'm sure sure that's true. (laughs) Is he? Is see? This was the thing I was worried about. I mean, is he? Is Plummer the default for anyone who gets scrubbed from an artistic endeavor? I think he should. Or is he just the the sort of uh, totem for Kevin Spacey? He probably would have gotten another nomination for Best Actor if they had time to Photoshop him into The Disaster Artist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody oh needs God. to remake The Disaster Artist with Christopher Plummer. <laughs> yes. That's just... Oh I want to God. see that. Christopher Plummer Streep. as Tommy Wiseau. 
<laughs> That's what the world needs more of. Oh, truly, truly. I, do we have thoughts on, on the Franco situation or we, do we care? I don't know how much I care anymore. It almost didn't surprise me. It, it totally didn't surprise <laughs> Of course, of course that yeah. happened. Uh, right. And of course he would respond exactly the way he responded. Like none of this is counter to type. Yeah, right. Like take right. a sensitive situation yeah. and respond exactly how you shouldn't. There you go. That feels Franco. Yeah, it's uh, you know, just another another uh part of this whole thing as as this this uh broken system that uh had been thriving for so long starts to crumble and it'll be yeah. just I mean this you know we've been talking about it it's all these all these uh people who are going to be part of the fallout and see how it all ends up shaking out in the end. Did you hear uh it's it's moved on to uh Steve Wynn of Wynn Resorts and Casinos. Uh, mm. Oh, is that what that was yeah. about? Because I'd seen some pictures on Twitter of like Steve Wynn and Donald Trump together, and I was like, and people were commenting about that. I didn't understand the context. They are they are sometimes so now yeah, I do. they're sometimes buddies, yeah. and he is the Wynn is the yeah. finance uh, chair for the GOP uh, for the party uh, and uh, the Republican National Committee, I should say RNC, and so that's you know another reason this is. This this sort of hit hard for them is that uh, he's a big name, certainly a big name in Vegas, literally a big name in Vegas, multi stories of his name all over Las Vegas. So, uh, you know, dark days. Uh, Oscar but not the darkest hour, <laughs> not the darkest hour. That's yeah. the Whoa. truth. Hour. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Oscar nominations came out. Uh, what struck you? Any surprises? I thought it was great seeing two horror films get nominated for Best Picture. That was kind of a nice little surprise. If you can call The Shape of Water a horror picture. No, as a genre. What I was, I didn't realize until, I forget where I saw this, someone uh, posted that this was the first time in 90 years that all five of the Best Director nomination, not director nominees are nominated for directing films that they wrote. Huh. Interesting. Really? So you've got, yeah, Christopher Nolan. You know, he always has a hand in, in writing his things. You've got Jordan Peele, Get Out, Greta Gerwig, Lady Bird, Paul Thomas Anderson, Phantom Thread, and Guillermo del Toro, Shape of Water. Fascinating. So they all may not have sole writing credit, but they all have writing credit on the films that they directed and are nominated for. That's pretty interesting. And of yeah. those, yeah. Um, uh, it looks like uh, uh, three of them were also nominated for their writing. Hmm. Yeah, I, it, it was great seeing uh, um, a couple uh, people, you know, some surprises as far as nominations, like the first female cinematographer, Rachel Morrison, nominated for Mudbound. Yes, that that's uh, I'm not saying she's the first female cinematographer. She's the first female to be no, nominated for cinematography, yeah. which was fantastic. And uh, it was great seeing uh, like Daniel Kaluuya get nominated for Get Out, which was a, a fantastic uh, performance and uh, great seeing him in there. I was actually kind of surprised by Denzel getting a nomination. We were uh, talking in the back channels in in uh, our former Discord Slack. It's like Discord is now the Christopher Plummer of, <laughs> of our world. <laughs> but uh, Denzel, I'm like, is he the new Merrill? I mean, you know, Roman J. Israel Esquire. I was interested in seeing it. It didn't get very good reviews, so I didn't make it out to catch it. But he got another nomination. And it made me wonder if he's, you know, kind of like the next Merrill, where it's just like, whatever he does, we got to nominate him because he's Denzel. Yeah. Did, did either of you see that? No. No. I'm still no. curious because Dan Gilroy is involved, yeah. but uh, 
I figured I'll just rent it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it speaks to sort of the body of work, you know, with both Meryl Streep and Denzel, that they can consistently deliver some pretty, you know, high caliber performances. And they've got, you know, some lower, you know, quality films out there. But yeah, when they're on, it's, you, you sort of know what you're getting and it's, I guess what people expect or, you know, is sort of a typical Oscar performance. They can, they can bring their A game and, and deliver something consistent. I hope you're not talking so, about She-Devil I, when you say <laughs> <laughs> lower quality. What is going on with you this morning, man? <laughs> He's referencing Well, now the coffee's kicked in, Pete. shelf. <laughs> He's just, Andy's living in the past. He's living in the 90s. I was going to say of of the nominations, sort of a couple other interesting um, things of note uh, is that The Big Sick got nominated for original screenplay, which was written by Emily Gordon and Kumail Nanjiani. And it's, you know, if you don't know the story, it's about how they actually met. Uh, but I guess Kumail got into a wager with Edgar Wright about, and Edgar said that uh, he knew that Kumail was going to get nominated for an Oscar. And Kumail said, no, I'm not. And they made a wager, and I guess Kamel's uh, least one of his least favorite foods is Brussels sprouts. So if the wager was if he got nominated, he was going to have to eat a big bowl of Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and so if you go on Twitter on either Edgar Wright's account or Kamel's account, uh, you'll see there are some photos of him digging into his bowl of Brussels sprouts, and he's uh, tweets something on the lines of "This is, uh, you know." one of the uh, happiest horrible things that he's ever had to do. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I thought that that's one that's on my list to see um, because I really, you know, looking at the original and adapted, there's a, a wide range of things and a lot of surprises that I wasn't expecting in the, in the screenplay, both adapted to have something like Logan in there, yeah. have a, you know, a comic book movie get nominated for adapted. And then just in, looking at original screenplays, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just such, what a great year for films it's been. And yeah, I'm so I think behind. The, the only one that sort of surprised me, and, and I haven't seen it yet, is The Shape of Water. Everybody I've ta- heard about it, or have talked about too about it, says, yep, overrated. That's one that's super overrated. Um, but everything else in the original screenplay category is is on the money. To me, it's a really nice uh, sort of modern fairy tale. I mean, which I think you sort of get that sense from the the trailer. But yeah, it's it's not doing anything like wow, you know, knocking my socks off. Like this is so amazing. I've never seen anything like this before. It does a really good job of what it's trying to do, which is we're going to take sort of a fantastic love story sort of out of fairy tales or mythology, and we're going to drop it into Cold War era America. And, you know, that's the great thing about science fiction and genre films is you can sort of comment on society or politics at the time without getting really into it. So yeah, there's the idea of, you know, America and the Russians and, you know, people that are outsiders that we don't understand. It, to me, it worked really well. It was a really nice story. It's just, you know, production design is amazing. This sets where they shot a lot of this. It's simple story, but told very well. That's that's actually great commentary. I think that makes sense. And all of the movies in here, they either do something structurally that's really interesting uh, or they say something that is interesting and resonant. And, you know, um, The Big Sick, Get Out, those movies, Lady Bird I, and Three Billboards. I think it's just I, I don't I don't know how one could lose 
um, you know, betting on one of these movies. They're they're all so terrific in terms of original screenplay, with the exception. I mean, I haven't seen Shape of Water, but I, I don't know. I don't know how to pick. <laughs> I know it's going to be a tough yeah. year. I'm looking at all these. I was like, dang, yeah. There's there's a lot of things, and I guess the some of the I guess one of the surprises that I've seen people talking about was that Wonder Woman was completely overlooked yeah. altogether across the board. Um, when that came out as such a, just a strong film early in the year, you'd figure there'd be something yeah. uh, in effects, writing, something somewhere. Um, so I'm, I'm not quite sure what to make of that. If it's, you know, maybe there's just some bias against the whole DC cinematic universe or what, but I was pleasantly surprised to see that Wonder Woman 2 is like the first film to go into production under some new regulations about harassment Interesting. policies in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah, so they're the first ones that are going to have this sort of looping back to our earlier discussion about, you know, that environment. I guess they've there's some new regulations and policies, and Wonder Woman 2 is going to be the first one to be in uh, production under these guidelines. I wonder if Christopher Plummer's in it. <laughs> oh, he needs to <laughs> she be. Should be right. He needs to. Be. I okay. So that to me was is that not just amazing that Christopher Plummer can sort of like walk in, shoot a film in like what a week or two or whatever, and just like boom, Oscar nomination supporting actor for that. I wonder if he's going to hand out the Best Actress uh, <laughs> award this year. That would be so good. Replacing Casey Affleck. <laughs> Replacing oh, Casey Affleck. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Oh, please let that happen. I want to go back to the Oscars, you guys, this uh, cinematography. Is this the year for Roger Deakins? I really struggle with this because of uh, uh, Hoyt and Hoytema with Dunkirk. Uh, That's that's pretty fantastic. I've only seen two of the five, so I'm a little behind there. But man, Blade Runner, I had an amazingly special look. So I really, really want it to go that route. Yeah. Accepting the award for Roger Deakins will be Meryl Streep. <laughs> it's going to be a tough year. <laughs> Replacements, you guys, really tough year. Uh, any other surprises? Anything else uh, you want to get on the list before we move on? Icarus was nominated as Best Documentary. It's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it is a crazy, crazy documentary that you definitely need to check out because it starts off as a guy looking into the world of like doping and bicycle racing, and then things just go crazy bonkers from there and all of a sudden like putin is involved it's of course need to check that out yes Hmm. that that checks out yeah i hear abacus is quite a great uh, documentary as well haven't seen it but i hear i hear good things uh what what's this uh this dundee thing uh everybody's excited about the sequel to crocodile dundee well, Andy and I talked about that last week with our what's with the barrage of remakes of 80s films and you know, there was this whole, you know, trailer we talked about for a Dundee reboot uh, with Danny McBride as like the son of Crocodile Dundee. And it really irritated and bothered us to, to no end. And it's all a hoax. It's a hoax, Andy. They they, they pulled one over on us. Man, I tell you, that Australian uh, tourism board... <laughs> That's a that's a pretty a uh, pretty brilliant actually uh, way to uh, to trick people into uh, paying attention and <laughs> getting people excited about going to Australia. Yeah, it is all just. Uh, I guess when is the second second trailer came out with Chris Hemsworth and some some smart uh, folks in Brisbane caught on and they saw some names that they recognized in the production and realized that the whole thing was just a hoax done by the Australian Tourism Board. 
I say that's a pretty genius uh, ploy to pull over on on us all. I'm okay with that. <laughs> you chumps. <laughs> you yeah, chumps. <laughs> Uh, it's so good all right well link in the show notes uh if you want to see that all right let's do trailers Ooh, who's up first there's no let's see is there any a24 no a24 red band there's no red band and i i would say andy's up first because of his last second uh uh, (laughs) rethinking of his trailer uh, as a (laughs) gift to uh jj and mostly i think me that they don't now we don't now have to watch that the movie that you did pick oh you didn't even watch the trailer no i watched the trailer i totally watched the trailer and i hate you for it that's i but i've moved on i moved on i mean we're back Uh, i was quite excited it was the uh the the new film coming to netflix called the ritual about four british friends um hiking through the woods into a (laughs) terribly horrifying situation look now just as a comment andy this i am trying so hard to open my heart to more horror this is the kind of horror movie i'm not into at all (laughs) not even a little bit uh i did go back and i watched the babysitter on netflix i think i told you that that was uh, that that was a nice little slasher thing i had a great time with that movie this is not that movie no this is (laughs) this is a pretty creepy looking one yeah but that's not my trailer. What is no, your no. trailer? No. My trailer is uh, is I Killed Giants, directed by Anders Walter, written by uh, Joe Kelly, who also wrote the graphic novel upon which it is based. Um, this is kind of a uh, a kid friendly uh, fantasy thriller about a young girl who kind of uh, she doesn't click with people in school. She's kind of that outsider, geeky kid who uh, wears rabbit ears uh, all the time. So you know that she's kind of an outsider, <laughs> I guess. And uh, But she's kind of in her own little fantasy world, and she's convinced that giants are real and that they're coming, and she has to uh, track them and kill them. And she introduces her friend to this world, and there's like a school counselor sort of person played by Zoe Saldana, uh, who is trying to convince her that her fantasy life is not real, um, I don't know how the story goes based on the comics. It, it does, it's not clear, at least from the uh, the synopsis I read, if everything is is real or if it's all just kind of this uh, this fantasy, this um, uh, alternate world that she's kind of living in because she's unhappy with her life. But it, the trailer looks really interesting. It looks like a really fantastical world that this this girl is living in with these, you know, terrifying looking giants that she has to uh, protect everyone from. Um, I I don't know about the graphic novel. I didn't even know it existed, but certainly watching this trailer made me uh, interested in it. It looks like a really interesting story and certainly something I want to check out. So what'd you guys think of it? I thought it looked really cool. It had it. It had it. Not quite as much of a uh, monster calls vibe, but I kind of put it in that same category in my head. Um, and and I thought it looked really really compelling and really great. And I think it's right at the the perfect sort of um, level for me to take my kids uh, to to it. You know, just scary enough. Yeah, I don't think these giants are ones that are trying to teach her life lessons. I think these no, are giants no. that are trying to destroy She's her. actually trying to, yeah. yeah <laughs> she really yeah. is trying to just kill them. Yeah, she's just trying to kill them. But you yeah. know, in terms of just the yeah. spook factor. Yeah, no, it's I, I'm excited about it. Uh, so excited that this morning I went online to my public library digital site and downloaded the graphic novel and I'm looking forward to reading it this weekend. And in the 
introductory material, the foreword is written by filmmaker Chris Columbus. Yeah, it's interesting oh, because the trailer points out that the Harry Potter producers are behind this one. So, so there we go. So I will report back next week after I have a chance to read through. But I, this is sort of that sweet spot of great for kids, but just odd enough that teenage. I can sit down with teenagers and we can watch something that's odd without getting too weird and dark and disturbing, and still have something I. Okay, yes, we're killing giants, but they're giants. They're fictional creatures, so it can be lighthearted family fun, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> I think that's well, a whole I, new... It's lighthearted murder, murder movies. That's, our, yes. that's a great <laughs> list to come up with after this one. And and then if they really like that, I could always go to Troll Hunter. That's, there you go. That's aces right there. Now you're talking. There we go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right now, this doesn't have any release dates. It's played at a few festivals uh, last year, starting at Toronto, and uh, still kind of in that festival circuit, but uh, we don't have release dates uh, anywhere yet. So hopefully we'll find that out sometime soon. Uh, okay, Steve. No, no, you can't okay. go. You can't go because you you need to be. Because <laughs> I stole uh, your act I three. Your trailer? You're the, you're the, the climax. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay. Uh, my trailer is uh, Beirut from uh, uh, director Brad Anderson, writer Tony Gilroy, starring Rosamund Pike and John Hamm. And Dean Norris. It is a story of uh, John Hamm um, coming back to uh, war-torn Beirut as a CIA operative to negotiate for a friend that he left behind. I uh, I really liked this this trailer because I like John Hamm so much. I think it's just anytime I see him in a bigger cinematic. Uh, sort of offerings. I'm excited about it. To have him take this, uh, you know, as a a lead role for him, I think is is very exciting. He has such great charisma. Rosamund Pike is terrific. I don't know that I've seen her in anything since uh, anything big since Gone Girl, but she looks really unique in this film and uh, like a it's playing a kind of a unique and different character and I'm excited to see that too um, the the trailer just really sort of captivated me it's kind of a historical fiction and so uh, I, I actually think it looks really great Rosamund Pike always is great um, she was in a United Kingdom uh, a couple years ago that looked really great I missed that mm-hmm. and then she was just in hostels also so she's she keeps popping up and stuff I just haven't been catching her stuff exactly yeah yeah, her hair looked. Uh, I was totally taken aback by her hair. Same with Dean Norris's hair. <laughs> they both had totally different hair, and I was like, "What is going on with everybody's wigs in this movie?" But <laughs> other than even John Hamm in the flashback, it's like he's a serious seventies hair going on. Uh, outside of the hair issues, I, I thought that it looked really interesting. I think that this is a part of the world that um, I, I feel is just so interestingly complex, and um, I always am. Uh, you know, drawn into these stories because it's just there's there's such strong emotions uh, on so many sides in this place. And putting any story in here, I always find really interesting. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm really curious about this one. Seeing that Tony Gilroy uh, wrote it um, makes me uh, even more excited. So definitely something I want to check out. Yep, just what Andy said. Well, well that that <laughs> yeah. makes it easy. You, you 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 had me at Tony Gilroy. Yeah. That's all I needed to know. I was like, okay, this one will be on my list because when he puts together a well-crafted story, there's just nothing like it. So, and I think this is a, a powerful cast. 
and really compelling subject matter. So yeah, it, it's, it's rising to the top of my must-see list for this year. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. It comes out April 11th, 2018. Uh, and uh, I I have a hunch this is this is going to be the one that that you know cements John Hamm as a as a big time movie star. I think this is going to be it. That's my that's my pick. You didn't think it was Bridesmaids? <laughs> 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 I so Pete just drop in like a, a screeching brakes <laughs> sound just drop that into the edit right there because that that'll be perfect I just uh, can't stop myself I know man you're all over the map uh, on this one no I uh yeah so I'm gonna uh, leave that alone uh okay now <laughs> The, I, I wanted to kind of hustle through my trailer because, uh, Steve, you did steal my trailer, uh, the one I'm absolutely most excited about this week. And that is The Cured, which is, because I saw it with zombies, I knew I could steal it from Pete. But this is a totally different zombie movie. This is really interesting because there was a virus that turns people into zombies, but they find this cure. So you've got people that are sort of like recovering zombies that are being reintegrated back into society. And what the trailer seems to hint at is that may sort of be a ruse. They've, they're just sort of masking their, you know, zombiness. So I think it has an interesting take on zombies, but also, as I like to do, is apply some literary criticism to things. And look at this. What is this saying at about society in general? And when we have a sort of smaller class of people that have been ostracized and we're trying to bring them back in and the, the tensions that result as part of that. But then you get the zombies on top of that. And it's got Ellen Page, who um, she's bringing her, I think it's her brother-in-law, uh, into the into the house because uh, her husband, I think, died during the whole zombie outbreak. And she's got a young young son. And this uh, his, the brother-in-law is played by Sam Keeley, who, uh, Andy, you will recognize as David, from Burnt, the the young chef mm, that uh, mm-hmm. yeah. becomes part right. of the team, and uh, so his sort of partner in crime, it appears, is uh, Tom Vaughn Lawler, uh, who's one of those faces I sort of recognize, and I know everybody will be seeing him uh, in Infinity War, where he plays Ebony Maw, which I don't know much about, but uh, probably one of these faces we'll start to see in a lot of places. So interesting cast, really twisted take on the zombie story. So. Uh, this is one that is coming out February 23rd in theaters and direct-to-video simultaneously from IFC. Uh, so right around the corner, just in time for Valentine's oh Day. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited for this movie. And I love what you said there, that this is a, you know taking putting the narrative in this sort of rehabilitation period is is super new, right? I mean, that's it, you know, how do you actually, re- it's not just rebuilding systems after all the zombies are dead. It's like, what about the, the, the ones that are left over? And, and I, I think anytime you take this sort of, um, you know, dealing with what we're dealing with right now with refugees, with the, the refugee influx from war torn countries, they're treated like this often, you know, you, you sort of see this. Why do you take them into your homes? Like you use that same language uh, in, in terms of integration after these sort of, 
harrowing and, and horrible experiences in the world. And I love that they're they're taking that on in, in this story. I think it's just fantastic. And the statement that is clearly happening around violence uh, and and how violence is a is the result often of sort of groupthink that it often I, I it didn't even appear to be, um, you know, th- that they needed to be post infected in the trailer that they were just sort of um, rallying violence as a result of their experience. And uh, man, I was affected by that in, in the trailer. I'm super excited for this movie. Yeah, I, I think it looks really great. I love the whole idea of, you know, the cultural relevance that you were talking about, Steve, and uh, and Pete, you both really talking about it. it. It has a lot of really interesting stuff to say. And like you mentioned earlier, using these genre films to kind of throw that in, I think is such a great way uh, uh, to do that. And so, yeah, this got me pretty excited. Looking forward to this one for sure. Thing I'm disappointed, or I'm, I'm, it makes me nervous about this and Beirut. They both are. So this is a six star on IMDb. Beirut's a six two, and uh, you know that's right at the cutoff uh, in terms of the IMDb six star rule. That it, it could be a bucket of crap. It really could. Be. <laughs> I mean, you got to see it, but it could be a bucket of crap. So, well, hey, mine's a seven point eight. So there you go. Y- yours is okay. not uh, uh, at all uh, a bucket of crap. So. No. Clearly leaps over the six <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. I think, uh, when does it come out? I, you didn't even say. Yeah, you said uh, February, uh, February. Oh, February, February 23rd. Yeah, February right. 23rd. So it's something that, uh, yeah, I don't know. We could do a special little uh, episode discussion on that one since it's going to be here within a month. Because I, I can't throw this at JJ for Trailer Rewind because he'll hate yeah, me Yeah, you're forever. right. We're going to have to do that one here. We'll, yeah. we'll do something right. else. Yeah. Let's do the list. Yeah, so we just talked about um, uh, A Good Day to Die Hard, everyone's favorite in the franchise. And uh, that was about father and son coming together under difficult circumstances. So we decided in honor of that, we would make our lists about estranged families that reconnect under difficult circumstances. Uh, well, I think we should we should uh, keep with our royal order here. Uh, so, uh, Andy, you want to kick us off? Sure. I will say, I, I, I don't know why I struggled so much with this list, but I did. Um, and, uh, you know, as much as I was looking for genre films where where people were, you know, trying to stop nuclear holocaust while repairing their relationship, um, I still ended up <laughs> struggling and I couldn't necessarily <laughs> find them to match. The first one I'm going to go with, it, it does fit, I think. Um, it's it's a film that uh, it's a family film, uh, something that uh, I've watched with my kids quite a number of times, and it's it's an awful lot of fun, even if it's uh, a not so serious uh, sequel and adaptation of uh, Jules Verne's novel, The Mysterious Island. I am, of course, talking about Journey to the Mysterious Island, um, directed by Brad Payton, starring everyone's favorite Dwayne Johnson. Along with Michael Caine, Josh Hutcherson, uh, Vanessa Hudgens, uh, Luis Guzman, it's a it's a it's a really fun movie that is totally like uh you know something I have a lot of fun watching with the kids because it's just so silly. Um, but in particular, this one is about this uh, uh, Josh Hutcherson's character who was in the the first film, uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth, and uh, but his father from that film does not return. Instead, it's his stepfather, uh, played by Dwayne Johnson, and the two of them don't get along, and uh, they find these these clues that lead them to go to the mysterious island, and uh, the two of them learn to grow together as uh, stepfather and stepson, 
in all the best ways. And it's, you know, it's a really fun movie. It's a little silly. Uh, the 3D, uh, when it was uh, done in 3D, has some pretty over-the-top 3D moments, but it's an awful fun movie. So that's number three for me. Also called Journey 2, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> Journey three, <laughs> colon, journey three. Wah, wah. <laughs> That's a good pick. I actually, it, it, it was on uh, my, uh, my backup list. My, uh, I also, I, I had, it was both easy and very difficult to, uh, to, to, for this one for me. And I ended up with um, some guilty pleasures, for sure. Some guilty pleasures. Uh, it starts with, oh, Poor Jenny Lerner, a struggling reporter trying to get a great story, and she manages to find uh, a story about um, a a mysterious affair, an affair uh, with Ellie. And it turns out, (laughs) shut shut up, shut shut up, Steve. It turns out Ellie is not a lady, is not a mistress. Ellie is an extinction-level event. And Morgan Freeman has to shepherd us through it. That's right. It's Deep Impact. Deep Impact, Mimi Later's movie here is, is it was, it, it's so much better than Armageddon. And I mm. think people forget that. It is better than Armageddon. It's still not great. Uh, and it has Robert Duvall as the, the, uh, as the astronaut. It is, it's not great. But come on. Maximilian Schell, Vanessa Redgrave, James Cromwell, Mary McCourt. What is going on with this cast in this movie? That it, it's... Uh, okay. All I can say is the, uh, the, the uh, estranged relationship is between Ta Leone and her father, and they do reconcile, and it's kind of a, uh, uh, an F story. <laughs> In this movie, but it's there, therefore it counts, and uh, so that's my that's my pick. <laughs> Deep it back, nineteen ninety eight. I love the daddy, and then the big the big thunder spank by the giant wave. Oh dear, <laughs> it's a giant oh. wave. Well, I mean, this reconciliation goes on while millions of people are are being killed. It's just horrific. And yeah, Frodo, that's exactly Frodo's what it. what it <laughs> yeah. is. Horrific. It's horrific. <laughs> I, I must disagree with you when you say that, <laughs> that this is the better of the uh, <laughs> asteroid films. Oh, this film pained me on every level. So uh, that's all I have to say about it. <sighs> Steve? Okay. I'm way, way far away from you guys on this one. It's Christmas, and you have Adam Scott and Tony Collette in a film. And you probably wonder what's going on. It's a film where a young boy is a firm believer in Santa Claus, and he wants to send a letter, and his family ends up mocking him, unleashing the spirit of Krampus on the family. <laughs> and they need to then work together, put their differences aside, to defeat the Krampus in 2015's film, The Krampus. This was one that I was really surprised because I thought it was going to be just one of these, you know, spooky horror films. And I was really pleasantly surprised that it was stories really about family and reconnecting and what it means to be a family during the holidays. And so when I heard what our topic was going to be, I said, I'm going way outside the box, but here's a film about a family that's disconnected separated from each other, not really relating, and how they are forced to then overcome that, those differences, and work together. Krampus. <laughs> Fantastic. That was uh, one of my trailer picks ages ago, and I still haven't seen it. What? 
What's, what I find so funny is that it spurred like a slew of Krampus movies coming out. It's like, why are there yeah. so many Krampus? Because like people just heard of this this thing that had been around, you know, forever. Yeah, but forever. I never heard of it until this trailer came out. Right. So. And now there's Apparently. a whole genre. There's a Krampus genre, like subgenre. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, it's I, I like I said, I was so surprised because it I mean, how scary can it be if it's got Adam Scott? Yeah, right. right? I mean, it, it is falls on that horror comedy piece, but there are spooks, there are jump scares and all that. But really, at its heart, it is really has something to say rather than just a film that's set out to give you nightmares. So, so what does Krampus to the Devil Returns say? I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't do sequels. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Andy, what's your number two? My number two is. I I think I'm cheating uh, a little bit because this is this is a story about a father and son reconciling their relationship because the father uh, because the son has a handicap and the father won't let him do the things that he needs to do. Um, but then the son gets kidnapped and then the rest of the movie is about the father trying to catch the son while at the same time the son is trying to learn how to overcome his uh, his uh, problems and then at the end they do come together and uh work together to uh to escape a giant net um this is of course finding nemo the <laughs> brilliant uh a pixar film that andrew stanton directed um it's it's one of my pixar favorites if not my favorite just absolutely love this film incredible script incredible story um yes the father and son are not together for the majority of the film but it still is about them you know being estranged which does drive them apart only to bring them back together Fantastic film. That's my number two. I, there's nothing even to say about that. I have I have no witty anything. That's a that's a it, it's a solid pick. It makes me tear up. I'm tearing up just thinking about it. Just thinking about it. And Mel Bowie just watched it with uh, with uh, her kids. Didn't I you? know. Yes. You think people in Australia this would be like something they'd watch all the time? Right. They got to get to the EAC. <laughs> Andy. You're being racist again. <laughs> Making these broad, you know, generalizations about Australians. Oh, no, I'm a terrible person. Oh, They're going to unleash the koala bears on us and it's all your fault. Who's racist now? I'll bet you eat kangaroo. <laughs> I want to see a movie where Australia is tired of all the jokes and uh, they create an army of koala bears that they send into the world <laughs> to take us all down. It turns out they're all koalas are actually robot subservience to Australian overlords. <laughs> These ones don't eat eucalyptus. <laughs> they eat man flesh. <laughs> See what's great oh, is dear. that you can make those jokes because yeah, aren't, aren't don't you still have dual citizenship? Please? I do, I do. You can, you can I'm only making fun of myself. You can only you can get away with that. No. That's right. You can't. You're the only one. Who's don't you not try? Racist. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, my right, next Steve, trailer Pete, is yeah. uh, my next pick is uh, I'm going to tell you it's in the same vein as my first one. Uh, that's and it is even more of a guilty pleasure. So brace yourselves. Poor Bill Paxton. Uh, he's really struggled. They've got to get these divorce papers signed. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt, they, they, have a t- they had a tough relationship. But, uh, and so, <laughs> shut up. It's that too does. good. And so uh, what, what they, they go out and they, they are, end up following each other around because they, they won't sign the divorce papers. And they end up getting, um, getting roped into to battling an F5 uh, tornado. And I'm, of course, talking about 1996's Twister. I 
loved Twister. I loved it so much, you guys. I can't even tell you. 1996. I saw this movie so many times in that th- way too many times. I had to take everybody uh, that I, I knew to this movie independently. I probably saw it six times in the theater. And this was one of those where it, it had the warning out front of the theater that said, this oh, yes. movie is going to be too loud for your frail ears, baby. <laughs> because Jan de Bont is going to blow your brain up. And I saw this movie again and again and again. It has, I have owned it in every single uh, format. Uh, This is this and Buckaroo Banzai uh, are right next to each other. I've had them on tape and on DVD and now in digital and they're fantastic. And so that's what I'm going with. Thank God for the F5 tornado that Bill and Helen were able to reconcile and and rebuild their marriage. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll I, never forget I do the... enjoy that film. The divorce paper is probably like worst MacGuffin plot device ever, but it is an enjoyable thrill ride. Yes, it is. And I'll never forget the uh, the teaser for that that showed the the tornado hitting. And then it's like the, the car parts are flying at you, and then the cow comes flying at you. And stuff. Was, <laughs> I know, right? That's great that was, cinema. That was good and loud a teaser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like we've, I, have we talked about uh, uh, the Tingler? That's what I, you remember the Tingler? I mean, we were all way too young for the Tingler. This was like when my parents were teenagers, the story of the Tingler with the, the, oh, where they, the wired they seats. The seats. Yeah, they yeah. electrocute every third or fourth seat at random. Uh, that's that's what I, I wanted out of Twister. I wanted to get like a, just a jolt right up my butt every time that tornado <laughs> came through. <laughs> it was that okay. exciting. All right. <laughs> well... <laughs> Steve? <laughs> so Follow that one up. <laughs> okay. I will. So there's nothing more that, you know, when we talk about estranged families, I think about the, there's a big distance or a gap. They're separated. And, and what, nothing can separate a family more than death and time. So how is it possible for one son to reconcile with his father? Well, having a magical radio that allows him to talk to his father in the past. I'm talking about 2000's Frequency with Dennis Quaid and and Jim Caviezel, which was a a really interesting twist on sort of a, you know, mystery procedural, you know, stop the serial killer in the past. Meanwhile, reconciling with his father that died when he was young and getting to know his father. Uh, this is one that I remember really enjoying, and it's one I've always wanted to come back and watch again and just never find the time to to sit down and watch this one again. But it's one I recall just loving, enjoying the ride that it took me on and, and doing something very different using time travel, but not in the conventional way of doing time travel. I thought it was really creative to instead of having people move through time, but just being able to talk across the decades. So that's that's my pick. What oh, a great like choice! Yeah, that I, was I a movie really like I just one. yeah I loved that so much when it came out. I haven't seen it since either, but it really hit me. I can't believe that that didn't that that. I mean, of course, I was subsumed by Twister. Like I was just taken over by that as my as I wanted to pick that three times, but this would have been the fourth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny, Andy. All right, so for my final choice, um, this is a story about. A, uh, a down on his out, uh, down on his out. <laughs> 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 Come on, coffee. Come on, coffee. A down and out 
former boxer who uh, learns that uh, he had a son that he uh, never knew about, um, but when his his uh, ex dies, uh, he ends up with this kid that he now has to take care of, and not something he ever wanted to do. He's he's fine taking money uh, from the kid's aunt and her wealthy husband um, who want him, but uh, he says, only if you give me a bunch of money, and uh, they, their request is fine, but we're going on vacation, so you have to keep them over the summer. And so he and the boy have to learn to get along over the course of this summer. Uh, but what they do, um, but the, the father uses this money to buy a giant robot that he uses to box with, and, uh, and the son uh, and he learn to grow together as a father and son. As they compete in robot boxing, I am, of course, talking about the fantastically fun Sean Levy film, Real Steel. Good old Hugh Jackman proving he is good in everything he does. Evangeline Lilly pops up, uh, Dakota Goyo uh, as the son. Uh, just a brilliant movie. I It's just so much fun. I love it. It's got a lot of heart. Uh, Danny Elfman's score is uh, just brilliant. And yeah, it just hits me every time. That's my final choice. Real Steel. That is a great pick, Andy. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I can't believe I didn't think of that one. Because I, I love that movie so much. I saw, I got to go to a preview screening with one of my girls, and she was like, I don't know. What's this going to be? I'm like, I don't know. It may be horrible. It may be awesome. And it was awesome. And I came out raving and telling everybody, you have to see this. And people are like, eh, it looks cheesy. Eh, it looks like Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the movie. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you don't know what you're missing. You do not know what you're missing with this movie. Absolutely. Ah, oh, I love this movie. And I didn't want to see it either. It was Andy. You, you convinced me I had to see it. And it was totally That's because I wouldn't it. stop talking about it. You didn't. You, that's true. You did not shut up. There's no way. Oh. Anyway, it was great. Okay, my final pick. Uh, this is another one that is, uh, it is a pleasure and not a guilty one. Uh, and it involves estrangement through technology and time. Uh, poor uh, John Ferguson slash Douglas Hall slash David, played by Craig Bierko, uh, is uh, embroiled in a family takeover uh, virtual reality um, uh, disaster of epic familial proportions as he gets in the way of Gretchen Maul and Armin Müller-Stahl and the fantastic Vincent D'Onofrio. I am talking about 1999's The 13th Floor, uh, directed by Joseph Rusnak uh, and uh, uh, screenplay by Rusnak and Ravel Centeno Rodriguez, based on the book Simulacron 3 by Daniel Galuye. Uh, it was a novel in 1964, uh, a novel, so it's an it's an old one that they brought back, and I I'll tell you I saw this I was just blown away. It, I saw it at just the right time. It is a, a fantastic little story, and of course Gretchen Mall is delightful. She's awesome. She should be my little sister. Have you guys seen it? I have, but I can't remember it at all. Oh man, it's so good. yeah. I'm right there. I'm right there with Andy. I saw it, but I don't remember anything about it because I think it was in that like post Matrix era where it was like everybody was trying to do like virtual reality or the computer and what's real and this one just sort of wasn't the matrix so it was sort of like oh it's gonna be oh it's not that type of movie and because expectations were one thing i was i was going for root beer and they gave me coke i didn't <laughs> I, I, may, I may have to re, i may have to revisit it if you love it that much pete but i just remember 
sitting through it going, eh, well, that was all right. The, the problem was, I mean, it's post-Matrix by a month, Steve. Like, yeah. it really, I mean, yeah, May right, to, right. Uh, to April 8th yeah. when The Matrix came out. And so that, I think, really uh, did it in um, just because it was... Um, you know, it was compared too easily to the Matrix, and uh, it is much more uh, subdued uh, in in terms of a, a crime filler, much more uh, much more noir. It takes place over multiple timelines, and I, as, as a result, I think it's just fascinating. And um, you know that it, the ending is, is a little bit frustrating for me, frankly. But uh, the rest of the movie, I think, is just. It, it does it so well, and uh, such a, a great ride. And uh, D'Onofrio is is always a treat this was in the uh, the d'onofrio era where he was the sort of main b character and uh obviously he's 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 both the bad guy and not the bad guy in this movie no spoilers uh and you know i i just at the that point i was so infatuated with him as an actor you know he'd just done the men in black i think he'd just done men in black where he was the cockroach guy uh and he was so good in terms of a weird comedic character performance in that movie that um, just and I was celebrating anything he was in fun to see how far he's come now that he's oh yeah. just landing kingpin so well so anyway that's my pick 13th floor check it out sweet hey for my final pick this was a struggle because I, I had to go back to the have you guys talked about it on the show and all of that so it knocked a couple things out so I, I don't think you guys have talked about this one but there's sometimes loss can create distance between family members and sometimes the only way to to bring that family together is to have aliens leave crop circles in your backyard (laughs) so i'm talking about signs and i know some people just aren't up for this type of film and but i really appreciated the way this was structured with each of the family members sort of having their quirks that were going to work to their benefit in defeating the alien invasion it's just one of i guess i will call it a guilty pleasure because i think i just enjoy it far much more than most people give it credit for but to me it's really a great film about you know family and surviving things together i completely agree uh that is uh, I mean, I love The Sixth Sense, but I'm one of those people that also puts uh, puts signs way up high. It just hit me so strongly, just the, the story. Yes, I agree. You can see some problems with, with the, the aliens that are allergic to water that come to this planet that's 70% water. But I didn't care. I mean, I just felt like they, they built the story so strongly that it just really hit me uh, well. And I love seeing the family come together at the end. It's really powerful for me. I, you know, this is one I need to see again. I have very uh, not great memories of it. And, and not that it was not great. Just literally, I don't remember it very well. And so uh, I feel like I need to give it another shot, um, especially if you guys like it so much. I have real trouble with uh, the Sixth Sense. I watched it recently again, and and it's just not it, it's not a great movie to watch multiple times uh, for me. Uh, I I kind of move on. Uh, it not you know not at all to compared to you know something like Unbreakable, um, which I can watch now again and again. So interesting pick. I'm going to put it back on the list. Cool. So, okay, that's it. That's our big list. That's it for that's the week. Uh, so uh, a good list of estranged family that reconnects under difficult circumstances like asteroids and hurricanes and computers and crop circles. Giant robots. Christ- Christmas horror creatures and giant robots. So uh, good list. Now what are we going to do for this week? Well, we're doing Mary Poppins, which uh, I don't know. We could do... Um, Live action movies that uh, that include animation, 
where the characters are interacting with animated characters. Mm-hmm. That could be interesting. interesting I definitely have some on my list for that. I mean, I think that's that's one of the most memorable, you know, pieces, you know, for that being, you know, as a Disney film, sort of that bridging those two things together. Um, I mean, unless you're going to do a movie about umbrellas, you know, people I was going to say ladies with umbrellas. Uh. <laughs> Don't forget. Grump- <laughs> movies with grumpy bank bankish fathers uh banker fathers um bad british accents hey families reconciling <laughs> under difficult circumstances <laughs> let's do that <laughs> oh it's fantastic that's really but good. they have to be musicals this time <laughs> yeah I, I think the live action animation there's enough i think there's enough out there yeah that makes that, for a fun blend yeah, i think yeah yeah, yeah. No, that's perfect, actually. And so, I don't think we've talked about many of those on the show. Uh, 500 Days of Summer had a little tiny cameo of a little bluebird. But other than that, are, have there really been that many? Well, like, I'm not going to tell you my list now. Yeah, I know. No, I'm what just saying of ones that we've talked about on the show. <laughs> oh, like 500 no. Days of the yeah. Summer is the only one I can think of off yeah. the top of my head. So uh, I think that, so. I, that, I, that I may give us a lot of good options. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's do that. All right. Okay, so live what is it? Movies in which live-action characters interact with animated characters or animated elements? Yeah. Animated characters and live-action characters. Okay. Okay, yeah. good. I like that list. That's a good list. Fantastic. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a fun uh, set. So uh, there you go. Thank you, uh, everybody, for uh, joining us for this fine Saturday matinee. Uh, I-, I hope you all are having a great movie week and um, that none of you are replaced uh, by Christopher Plummer in your most <laughs> special work. Uh, and thank you very much to all of our Patreon supporters and, and listeners there. We sure appreciate your time and attention. Thanks, uh, Andy. Steve, have a great week. All right. You too, you absolutely. Too. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.